Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. I'm Robin Robertson, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast, and I'm also a home educating parent myself. As of the time of this recording, of recording this intro in May 2023, we have been home educating or living our own unique learning journey for 10 years, over 10 years and counting. So if you are at a place where maybe you're looking for a bit more encouragement and support or a refresh, or maybe you're thinking about homeschooling or even unschooling, but just you're not sure where to start or how to jump in because you know, you want to do it the right way. You don't want your kids to miss out. You want to make sure that they get all of the opportunities and that you are making the right choice because, hey, I, I get it. It feels like all of that responsibility is on our shoulders. So you want to get this right. Well, you're in the right place. If you are looking for information and support, I've got it here on this podcast. If you'd like to hear stories from other families living their full learning journeys, then this is the right place. But also beyond this podcast, I offer some fantastic resources as well that I've tried to purposefully make as accessible as possible. So I have my Patreon community that offers various levels, but the best part is my monthly live Q&A that is accessible for every level. So if you go to patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids or the link in my show notes, you can find out more about what's offered and the support that you receive. So I also have our clubhouse, honey, I'm homeschooling clubhouse that still runs every Tuesday and now Thursday mornings with live discussion rooms as well with either myself or wonderful veteran homeschooling and unschooling parents that co-host. You can go to my website to find out information. I have the show notes, the link in my show notes as well, but they're affordable, accessible, fun, and supportive because, hey, I know I've been there, I am there, and I get it. I understand the doubts and fears that come up. So on that note, I'm also excited to announce the guest for this episode, Missy Willis of Let Him Go Barefoot. Missy is a mom to two, writer and self-directed education advocate. As a trained teacher, she imagined a life devoted to traditional education, but in 2007, she moved away from the standardized schooling model with her own kids and hasn't looked back. Let Him Go Barefoot is the community and podcast she created to share stories, insights, and research on conscious parenting and education. Her work has reached hundreds of thousands of people across the globe. What has emerged is a felt sense that we are in the midst of a great educational awakening. Missy is currently collaborating with another veteran unschooling mom, Anne Hansen of Inner Parent Coaching, to create a supportive community for the next generation of unschooling parents. 
A foundational principle of their work is, the future of education is not in the classroom. Find out more or to get involved, go to letemgobarefoot.com or find Let Him Go Barefoot on Instagram. And those links are in my bio. I know you're going to enjoy this episode because Missy and I took the chance as parents that have moved quite far down the unschooling journey, I really wanted her to come back on the show and reflect back. Uh, what were the obstacles? Would she change things? What were the wonderful joys? What would stay the same? I wanted to know, you know, what helped them to continue to be unschoolers? Her son is now a grown adult, and also the wonderful thing she did too is share his journey into post-secondary and what that looks like. So she shares fantastic insight, thoughts on this episode. There is so much insight, and really, I took a ton of notes even on this. So I'm excited. Let me know what you think, and enjoy the episode. So I am very excited to have my friend Missy Willis back (laughs) on the show. Missy, you probably know from her tagline, let him go barefoot. And she has been a previous guest on my show. She's been a co-host in my club on Clubhouse. And she's just an all-around amazing person, unschooling parent. And she's one of those people that when I want some insight, when I want to hear a little bit about, you know, hear more and hear about more experiences and go deeper, Missy is the person that I go to. So Missy, I'm so happy that you're back and we get to do this. I'm actually going to let you do a further introduction or a little bit more of a share about yourself, who you are and what you do. Okay. Well, first, thank you. That is the kindest thing to say. And I am humbled and um, I'm a little speechless because this is such an interesting time in my life where I am as a mother and just my development as a human. Um, I have, have, have made it halfway, I'd like to say, because my grandmother lived to a hundred. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm halfway there. <laughs> you are, um, yeah. I just okay. celebrated my 51st birthday and, uh, um, to be able to sit in this position and look at where I grew up and what I experienced as a child and my teens and young adulthood and becoming a parent, it's just been a, I'm just very grateful to be where I am. And so all that to say, I am a mom to two. I have a son who is 20. He will be 21 this year and he is still at home, but he's in college and he just recently signed up to get his personal trainer like trainer's license this summer. So he's has mul- multiple pokers in the fire. Um, my daughter is 16. She's the one I say has been a hundred percent authentically unschooled because my son came along first and I thought I could be his quote unquote teacher and <laughs> change my hat from parent to teacher because I have all this background knowledge and in, in teaching and education. And he's the one that set me straight and then paved the way for her to be completely unschooled. So um I have a master's degree in special education and uh, an undergraduate degree in psychology. And originally I thought I wanted to go to school to be an accountant. So (laughs) as you can tell, I had a little bit of a crisis in college, (laughs) all all these thoughts of numbers and organizing and and very, um, very left brain things where there's checkboxes and, and and it feels good to put together spreadsheets and come up with a plan for people financially 
did not translate very well in the classroom setting. And I think I might've had my first sort of like anxiety uh, breakdown in my junior year and, or no, sorry, my, uh, my sophomore year in college. And at the same time I was taking a psychology course. And so I realized how much I loved that topic and loved the information. And I was also taking a writing class and both of those spoke to me in a deeper level. And I guess you can say that's when I started really digging into who I was as a person and answering the call of my soul. So I switched, I switched gears and I went into psychology and I've been grateful for that change ever since. Wow. Um, I think I knew that you had started, you thought you would be an accountant, but I didn't realize <laughs> that I didn't realize that you had started, like you were going to school already. You were part yeah. way through before you changed. That's interesting. And it's so interesting too, because that's right. Accounting, I think of as, well, it's a checks and balances. It's the mm-hmm. right or the wrong. And you, you know, so psychology and then your master's degree in special education and then unschooling. And I then I think of unschooling, being an unschooling <laughs> parent, and it's like not always, but it does seem very opposite to accounting because there's not uh, yes. always the check marks, right? The like, let's reconcile everything. <laughs> let's For make sure. sure everything, the numbers all balance. And, you know, that part of it, there's a lot of openness and a lot mm-hmm. of patience and waiting and acceptance and letting things not be exactly right and checked off and yes. being okay with that. So yep. are you like the two dichotomies? And that's why this has worked. Unschooling has worked for you so well for all, all of this time. Or how does that? I don't know. Maybe we can say I have a split personality, but. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I will say that, you know, the, the idea of, of unschooling, it is very ambiguous when you talk to people about it. You, they kind of give the head tilt of like, what, what are you trying to say to me? Um, and I remember feeling the same way the first time I heard it, because I had a longtime friend who's like a sister started. She's the one that turned me on to it because she started homeschooling her kids before I even had children. And then when my son was um, when my son came along, they were already hum- homeschooling. And then she tossed the term very gently because she knew who I was to me about unschooling kind of in passing. And then later I remember thinking, what is she talking about? Because she was a teacher too. And so I thought, this doesn't make sense. And, and I, I joke about it being like, that was witchcraft that she was speaking with this whole <laughs> idea that these kids can just run free and learn and do whatever they want to do and they'll be fine. Um, so that's where that whole, like, accounting, needing to check off those boxes and being orderly for sure. I ran up against that big time and I continued to run up against it because even after my son was born, I had the plan, you know, I had the, I had the book with all the pretty things that you're going to purchase. And I'm going to turn a room into our house, into a school room. And I want the number line and I want the chalkboard and all the little cute tables. And I, I had a plan. And, um, as time went on, he continued to show me that he didn't need those things, even though I continued to offer them up. When I would ask, hey, can we sit down and do this math book or something? He's like, no, I'm good. Or, okay, I'll do it because he liked me. I liked him, but then he would show not much interest and I would start getting frustrated. So it's, um, you know, with your, uh, the summit that you did with the persistence and resistance and those, those words, I, I really thought about the fact that it was his resistance that caused me to 
continue to self-reflect and say, what's going on here? Why is it that I have this knowledge, this ability? I know how to work with kids in the classroom. I've done it for you know two decades, but my son is not doing this with me and he's rejecting the things that I'm bringing to him. And it's because I was forcing and I thought it wasn't because we had a really good relationship and I kind of built uh, my my parenting, if you will, on, on the idea of communication and listening to one another and not, and being very peaceful and open and, um, trying to change the script of what, how I was raised. And, and, and then when it came to academics, for some reason, it just couldn't get it through my thick head that that also needs to be treated the same way. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it did, it clicked because I just, I I one there was one day where, (laughs) so I don't know how, I can't remember how it is at Canada. I know you've told me, but I can't think of it on the top of my head. But here in North Carolina, there's really not much uh, documentation you need other than you're supposed to keep attendance records, which I still think is very funny. You're supposed to have an end of of grade test. And then you are to um, just submit your intent to homeschool and then tell them when you're closing your school. So there's nothing else you need to do. All these things you keep on file. Well, at some point, the Department of Non-Public Instruction decided that they wanted to create an opportunity for homeschool families to come talk to someone from the department in their local area. So they sent out notifications and said, we're going to be in the area. If you'd like to come and speak to us about how things are going or have questions, you know, we're going to be there. And of course, there was a lot of homeschoolers and unschoolers who were like, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. I'm I'm not showing up. They don't need to know anything about what we're doing. I saw it as an opportunity. I was like, okay, I want to do this because, you know, he's doing great and we're we're having a blast and we're not necessarily following this curriculum and the standards that the state says that need to be done right now in kindergarten and first grade. Um, And I asked him to come with me and he said, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember being upset about it because I thought, but you're such a, you know, you're so verbal and, and you communicate so well and and I want then, to show you off. It was my ego trying to show my child off, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. hey, let me show you a department of non-public instruction lady. Look at my kid. He's not yeah. in school and he's yeah. doing great, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, but he was like, nope, not doing it. And um, <laughs> so then my daughter, who was, I think, three at the time, she was like, I'll come with you. And I was like, OK, let's go. So she went with me. She was my very catty, uh, uh, talkative three-year-old and was entertaining to the lady. And, you know, it was really more like I was curious, but then I also had that side of me that felt like still felt like I needed to prove that it was possible to do what I'm doing. Um, And then of course I ran up against that many times. And I think most, well, I won't speak for everybody, but my experience has been and talking to so many different people is that there is that side of us that needs validation and approval that we're doing it. Okay. And I, I don't think that's I don't think that's unique to unschooling. I think that's just, I think that's human nature in many ways, particularly when we do something that's very different than the mainstream. Mm. Oh my goodness. Yes. I think, um, you know, it's funny because I'd said before, like, you know, I'd really like to talk about you as a veteran unschooler and, you know, our kids now that they're older and, and the whole process and change, but also address a lot of questions that parents have when it comes to the worry of older kids. And I put that in quotes kind of thing, right? But really what you just said, I think nails every single aspect of our homeschooling and unschooling doubts and fears. And that whole part of proving 
and validating. And it's so hard when we're not doing it a certain way that makes it so easily to be validated. Like, see, I check these boxes. My kid Mm -hmm. checks these boxes. But then when we don't do it at all that way, then we're like, how can we prove that it's okay? How can we prove that I'm still doing a good job? How can we prove that I'm a good unschooling parent or a good homeschooling? Or how can I prove that I'm a good mom? Yeah. Like, because I chose this path. Like, am I wrong? (laughs) How can Mm -hmm. I be validated that it's okay and I'm right? And I think that is such a huge fear, right? Like that, yeah, you nailed it totally. It is, it is. And, you know, I I tip my hat to the pioneers of homeschooling and who did this without the internet, without social media, without Yahoo groups. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was where I started. I started in Yahoo groups and then eventually social media became a thing. And that's where we started using Facebook and really being able to see people's faces because before in the Yahoo groups, it was, you know, people you were speaking to and had no idea who they were. And then Facebook came along and you could actually see a family and it, and it became even more real that there were people out there doing what you're doing. And, and it feels, it felt important to me to know that we weren't alone. And then even though I had a super, a very close friend who we met in high school. So we've been friends since um, we were, we met in 10th grade and, and so she had kids, like I said, before me and um, and she has four children now and, and we're all so close. It's like, you know, our extended family and it's been amazing to grow up, have my kids grow up with her kids in this very unschooling, self-directed life. Validation and, and having like someone close still too. And yes. Easy. And I mean, you're fortunate to have that person who've known so long and who um, they unschooled as well. Are they homeschooled? Oh, unschooled. Yes. Yep. And and I saw her as a mentor to me because she was trying things and doing things that I, again, was kind of questioning at first. And then once I saw how happy they were and how free, free, like how, how um, easy their life was and easy as in there wasn't this crazy schedule to keep up with. There wasn't all these things to keep up with. It wasn't, it was not someone else that never met them creating a schedule for them to live by. They literally were creating their own life and it was such freedom to witness. And I was like, I want a part of that. I I was like, why don't we just try it? You know? So I I thought we would give it a go. And um, when he, when my son was four, he could have enrolled in kindergarten because his birthday fell in September. And I had just had my daughter six months before. So I was like, no, we're not doing that. We're going to just hold off. We'll see how things unfold. And then you know, we haven't looked back. <laughs> so they, they've been, they never went to public school, private school. We did do some co-op type stuff and we did um, participate in classes in the community, but never uh, an actual school or even a micro school, which, you know, they were really a, around at the time. So that that's kind of growing now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Missy, I think of you then, because you're, I mean, your oldest is turning 21 now already. Your youngest mm-hmm. is 16. And they've, they've really, they've unschooled for most of their young life going into their adult life. They've, they've unschooled, they've lived a life without school. Mm -hmm. And what are, you know, for you to be a veteran unschooling parent now to, I want to say like, it sounds funny, almost saying this, but going the distance, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean? What, what are some, you know, what are some things that you think helped you to you and your kids and your family to continue with a life without school? Mm. You know, I had to get very clear early on 
uh, on, on my why and what it was that we were trying to do as a family unit, what, what our goals were. And, and I had to be clear that it wasn't about me. And even though at first it was about me in that I was thinking, okay, we're having such a great time. We already have a small community of people we're visiting with regularly. My son is not in any shape or form in need of feeling or in need of friends or peers or play playmates. We have all of that. And um, he's happy playing by himself in his room. And he's also happy playing with groups of kids. And so I knew that we already had something going and I didn't want to disrupt it. And it felt unfair to him to disrupt it, to participate in a system that was arbitrary to a degree because uh, compulsory school age was not until seven in the state of North Carolina. And he was only four, like I said, and just had my daughter. So I was like, at the very least, let's just wait until age seven. So the, the getting clear on my why allowed me, I believe, to really stick with it. And also recognizing that there were going to be ups and downs and there were going to be challenges. And if there's one thing I've said about parenting, if there's one thing I can say for certain about parenting is that it's going to change. <laughs> and the minute you get comfortable with one age age bracket, there's a shift in them, whether mm -hmm. it's their, their height or their, their mind um, or their interests, something shifts. So you can't expect what you're doing at three, four, five years old to stay the same at six, seven, eight, and it shifts again in young, you know, um, 10, 11, 12, then teens, uh, tweens, then teens. So there's always a shift happening. So if you can accept that out the gate, that we're doing this now because it's working now, but don't get attached to it, then I think it makes things a lot easier because then you can see it as like a an opportunity and be curious and say, oh, well, we're shifting now. So what is this going to look like? Okay. We're heading into a new territory. They don't need my help as much as they did before. They're looking to do something a little bit more outside of the home. Now they're really delving into their interests. How can I support them there? So I think keeping that hat of a detective, you know, you're, you are, you are an observer and you're a detective and, you know, I've even suggested to people keeping notes before, because that's what I would do. I've noticed if things changed with them or how maybe they were really interested in a particular activity. And, and I was noticing that it was kind of waning, even though maybe I got attached to that activity. For instance, my son started playing piano and I was like, he's going to be a piano player. You know, <laughs> I, already, I already decided. And then he stopped doing it. And so I was like, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get my piano player. <laughs> you want to play a song for me right now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we do that. And I, I don't think I'm alone in how sometimes we project our wishes onto our children about certain things. And it's not because it wasn't just, it wasn't the idea that I needed him to be a piano player to make me feel validated. It was that piano playing is beautiful. It's a musical instrument. We've heard so many wonderful things about what it's like for people to be able to play an instrument when they get older. I've listened to people complain as adults about the fact that they didn't play something when they were younger. So it's all these pieces of information that I have thinking, well, I can help my son by starting this idea early and providing him a piano and getting him lessons. And then we'll see where it goes, but it didn't go very far. And that's okay because he got out what he needed. He got out of it, what he wanted to get out of it. And, um, now at 20, he's playing the guitar and he has, an, an, so it's not that the musical experience fell flat. It's in there somewhere, right? It's all learning. It's all 
part of his, who he is as a person. It's a piece of it. And so I don't think of any of the activities we did, even if they didn't complete them as wasted time. I think of it as a little opportunity and a time in their lives that gave them something else, maybe just another stepping stone to another thing. Right. Yeah. I think that is hard for parents um, to see that, to not feel like an activity that started and then stopped is not viewing it as a failure. And it might sound a bit harsh saying that, but because especially nowadays, a conversation is like, well, we know we have to make mistakes. We have to learn from our failures. You know, we say that to our kids a lot, but um, it's hard to actually mm-hmm. practice that and demonstrate that, especially, you're right, when we often pr- do project our desires or needs and wants onto our kids um, or think like, you know, I think of the, um, you know, when parents say, well, you know, they still, they don't understand it now because they're too young, but they'll appreciate me pushing them when they're older, or they'll appreciate me making sure that they finish this or do this when they get to a certain age. Um, it's a very different conversation from yeah. that conversation, right? And it, it's it's like, how uh, how can a parent begin to feel more comfortable to start even thinking differently, to, to seeing those those um, experiences or activities or things that they're trying as stepping stones, maybe to not that exact goal, but even to something else that we can't yet see. Because that's what usually happens is it 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 leads the way to something else, but we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Maybe it could be still continue to play music, but a different musical instrument, or it could be something totally different that we just we just don't know. But right. we want to know now. Yeah, we do. We, <laughs> we want the plan. Yeah. <laughs> we want it all laid out. We want the crystal ball. We want it all. Yes. Yeah. We want well, the tax. <laughs> yes, we want we want to be an accountant and check off these boxes. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, and, and and that does bring up a really good point, Robin, which is that pushback that we get from our kids when we've invested our hard-earned money into something. Mm. And early on, well, well, there's several schools of thought obviously about how how to approach this. I do think it boils down to the child and the relationship that you have with them. And not every kid in your family is going to be the exact same. So one kid, when they tell you they're done, they might be absolutely done. And any sort of trying to negotiating with them is just a waste of time. So if that's your child and they're telling you, look, we put money in on this thing. I made a mistake or maybe in their minds they are like, it is just not for me. And mom, I just don't want to do it anymore you know that that's their absolute 100% they're sure of themselves situation. So it's instead of it being a waste of money and looking at it that way, think of it as a donation to whatever that business was. Um, and and sometimes it's just a matter of reframing it for ourselves to make it more digestible too, because you know it is, it can be hard. Hey, we've, we've invested. If you also know your child is a dabbler and wants to kind of test things out, then See if you can make an arrangement with a uh, company and and to let them know. Say, listen, they're looking like they're interested in it. We're just not 100% sure we can commit to the full amount at this point. Is there a way that we can try this out and just sort of have like a, you know, like a, a couple of weeks or or whatever the situation is that you might can work out with them. And, and then that way you don't feel like you've put too much up front because it's true. I mean, people have budgets and we have to be conscious of that. Um, and 
there are times where there have been things where if it's not a hundred percent, yes, it's a no. And so, but we, it's not everything, you know, it's not a hard and fast rule that we apply to everything across the board. Um, so, you know, my daughter was riding horses for a while and it's not a cheap sport. And mm. Yeah. Thankfully she didn't want her. I mean, she did want her own at one point, but we, we call that the pony phase, every child, every girl, every rider goes through with the pony phase. Um, and so, you know, we, of course we talked about the logistics of that and the fact that we live in the city. And so that kind of helped us a little bit. <laughs> Can't really have a horse here. <laughs> um, but there were times where it got a little bit, uh, more expensive and thankfully the barn that she rode, the road, the branch she rode at was um, what offered her to do chores and said, you know what, you come here and do chores on Saturday, you get free lessons. And so that's what she did. So she okay. rotated it into that. And then we had extra to do additional lessons. So I feel like there's always ways to figure out how you can square the finances with the opportunity. But I will put a little plug in to not allow your finances to make you feel like you can't take those opportunities. Hmm. So that would be where really just getting out of your comfort zone. If you're not one to call up a place and ask them what their options are, I mean, maybe you can just try it a few times. What's the worst that can happen? They tell you no, and you move on. But I I do feel like as um, over the years, that is what I've definitely learned that if there's something my kids are interested in or want to do, I find mentors, I find activities that are already happening. I find ways to coordinate, to bring people together around the same interest. And that way it gives them that chance to try it out, try it on for size. And, and then, you know, depending on the situation, there's no loss, there's no hard feelings anywhere, you know, cause everybody knows up front, this is not, we're not going into this hundred percent. We're trying this out. We're testing the waters. And I think that's fair for the company that you're working with the organization and then also for your child so that they don't feel like they're committed to it uncomfortably. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think of, um, you know, that's an interesting point you bring up too, because it is an investment so many times, right? Sometimes, especially when we have kids who are very, um, you know, who, who have grown in a life where they're, their uh, interests and their passions are encouraged and exploring them is encouraged. It's not Mm -hmm. dampened down. So, you know, sometimes they want to go full out into something as well, right? And sometimes we have limitations financially, time-wise, different reasons, right? Um, But I also think it's true of being creative and getting out of our comfort zone as parents as well, Um, finding ways. And sometimes that's the biggest learning in all of it. Is finding ways that we can offer some of that um, without, you know, in, in different in different um, in different ways than maybe is just traditionally shared or d- traditionally given. I think of mm-hmm. my, my kids ski. My son skis. My daughter snowboards. And really, that's everyone knows that that's a pretty expensive sport. You know, it's not usually a sport that's like you know you you find a a used skateboard and you can just you know, go down your street or whatever, you know, you go mm-hmm. to the skate park that's open for everybody. Uh, it, it takes, you know, you need the equipment, you need to the transportation, you need the access to the hill and all those sort of stuff. Um, and I think it's something that we, yes, we were fortunate because we have a small community hill very close to our house. Um, and because it's a small community hill that my kids started out on, it was 
quite inexpensive and, and pretty well, I think, you know, we, I think my son and I snowshoed from our house to the hill one time. Oh, wow. It's not, you know, it's, it was a bit of a distance, but it's not too far out, but you know, there were different things like my husband, like we both volunteered. He was on the board because it was a community led uh, ski hill. And so that gives discounts, right? It gives free ski, um, ski passes. Um, I volunteer, I volunteer for ski patrol. So that as well offers discounts. And then it offers discounts to other ski hills, the bigger ski hills. Um, here in Canada, they try and encourage it. So at a certain age, you can apply for a free pass. I think ages nine and 10, you can apply to the ski Canadian ski organization and they will send your kids a free skiing pass to bigger ski hills so they can ski for free. Um, mm-hmm. there's always used equipment sales. We had like a little, and because of the hill, we had a little skiing community where everyone actually just shared equipment. So it was like, everyone got everyone's hand-me-downs. <laughs> and That's great. It was great. Cause it was free. You know, it was like, oh, I have this, your child is young, like, let's pass it on to this family. And then the family, the other family passes it on to us. And, you know, things like that, where it made it, um, like we doable in so mm-hmm. many ways. Right. So, yeah, but it just took a little bit of time and extra volunteering and ways that we could be creative as well, too. So, absolutely. Yeah. And unschooling, I do think, is a family affair. And that's one thing that it drew me to it is that it's not when you send your kids to school, it it feels very separated. It's compartmentalized and you don't know what's happening in their lives. They don't know what's happening in your life. And I feel while, you know, we just don't have them for that long. And I I think it's it, it created an opportunity for us to really get to know each other as people and to also have our family unit as it, it's like a, this is us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. feeling and, um, and, and to personalize life in a yeah. way that can't be done when someone else is telling you when and where you're supposed to be and how long you're supposed to sleep and what you're going to do on the weekends. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't want to live for the weekends. I just didn't. And, you know, we sacrificed, it's not like this has always been a very easy route to take. And we were with one car for a while in a city. So there were times where I was at home with the kids and my husband was gone to work and, then there were times where we took the car and he was stuck at home <laughs> because he had he worked from home for the most part. So that that is very helpful. And that's I'm glad that was an op- option. Um, but, you know, we, we we don't take extravagant vacations. You know, we take day trips. And so I, I for this is for those people who really do wonder, can you do it on a budget? And is it possible if uh, if, you know, if if people both parents do have to work and I've, you know, you've yeah. probably had people on where that is the case and, yeah. and they make it happen. So it, it, the reason I feel like we've been able to do it for the long haul is, is the commitment piece. And I, I just, it was my why it was, I wanted to give my kids an opportunity to do something that I felt like made sense from a psychological perspective, from a developmental perspective, um, from our social and family unit perspective. And it, it, it's, um, I had a moment the other day where <laughs> I might start crying. Okay. So my son, like I said, he's 20 and he just wrapped up uh, another semester of college and he came out and he was like, mom, I got three A's and a B. 
And I was like, great. You know, I'm not one to be excited about grades. I'm excited for him, but I'm not like, you have to get a thing to the point where, by the way, my, he got mad at me one time because I didn't get excited for him. <laughs> I was like, mom, why aren't you? I mean, I want you to feel like push me a little bit, you know? So, so <laughs> that is the word to those who wonder about their kids if they want to be challenged, because yeah. I do think our kids want to be challenged. They don't want it to be a walk in the park. We don't grow in with everything being just paved the way for us. Um, and so there's that natural need to challenge oneself that I feel like will come regardless of whether you choose unschooling or, or sending your kid to school. So I think humans just, they do enjoy the challenge. So anyway, he came out, he told me, and of course I celebrated with him and I was just, I was really happy for him. And then all of a sudden I just got so overwhelmed and I just started crying and he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. I, I, it feels like a big moment right now for me that we did it, Daniel, we did it. You know, we just did it. And we, we didn't listen to the naysayers and we did things differently. And sometimes it was hard because I felt like I needed to go the path that everybody else had gone, because what if I don't do it right? Or what if you fail? Or what if I fail? And, and we did not And look at you, you're so self-assured and organized and you're making, you're creating the life that you want to create for yourself. And and it's a wonderful thing to witness. And I appreciate you letting me part of this whole experience. And, you know, it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> it felt so like, ah. <laughs> uh, so I'm here to say to anybody who is doubting their abilities, you know, you don't have to do it alone. It's not meant to be a solo journey. You're doing this with your child. You're doing this as a partner. And if you can think of yourself as being a bridge to information and resources and people and opportunities, then I think that makes it a little bit more manageable. Maybe it can mm -hmm. be overwhelming still. I mean, there's a lot to do. It's not like you just turn them over to somebody else and say, see ya at three. Um, you know, so, so you're, you are on a lot more when you are unschooling and homeschooling. Um, and, but, but you also get the benefits of seeing all of their, first of things and watching the light bulbs go off and hearing their daily thoughts about life and their personal insights. And you get to watch them grow in ways that you don't really get to see, I think, when they're gone all the time. And I'm not, this is not at all a diss on anyone who has to go to school or goes or needs to go to school or wants to. It's more of a, if you're going to choose to homeschool and if you're going to choose to home educate and go the unschooling route, you know, these pieces for me are the, are the perks mm. of the hard stuff yeah. that you do have to deal with as well. So, yeah, I agree. Mel Science is a subscription service that offers a range of educational resources and hands-on experiments for homeschooling families. If you're looking for an exciting and interactive way to teach science, Mel Science is a great option. And you're in luck because Mel Science is offering a 60% discount on your first box for all Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids listeners. Mel Science just launched a space subscription, which is perfect for homeschooling families who want to explore the universe and inspire their kids to become future astronauts or space scientists. Mel Science offers an incredible array of science experiments and educational resources 
designed to help children and adults learn about the universe in a fun and engaging way. From chemistry to physics, medicine to STEM, Mel Science subscription boxes are packed full of exciting experiments and activities that will inspire and educate. These boxes are a perfect way to give homeschooling kids a practice with the hands-on boxes and get them involved in science activities. With Mel Science, you'll get all the materials needed for each experiment, including detailed instructions and educational materials that explain the scientific concepts behind each experiment. This makes it easy for homeschooling parents to teach science to their children in an engaging and fun way. So, if you're looking for a fun and educational activity to do with your kids, Mel Science is a great choice. And don't forget to take advantage of the 60% discount for your first box and start exploring the fascinating world of science with Mel Science today. Just go to the link in my show notes and use the promo code MEL60, capital M-E-L-6-0. I like how, and I actually, I, I wrote it down and I highlighted it when you said unschooling is a family affair. And I think that's so, it's not compartmentalized how you're, you know, your, your, your day with your child, your child, um, all, everything throughout, uh, you know, the day, the week, the year is not compartmentalized um, because you're doing it together. Like you said, you're, you're, you're partners in this as well. And I think that's a great perspective to have for it. Um, and I think that, and I think you'd, you know, you'd also mentioned, uh, what did you say? Um talking about reframing, because sometimes you have to reframe it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great reframing because, you know, so much of the worry still is like, but what about, shouldn't they, shouldn't I? And often, like you said, you know, it becomes about, you, the, we think it's about the academics all the time when it's mm-hmm. not at all. Mm-hmm. That that becomes like an afterthought on that. But when it becomes, you know, unschooling as a family affair, you think it's, you know, it's life that you're doing together. So reframing it and looking at it and rethinking about it in a different way, I think that's a great place to start as well. Mm-hmm. And absolutely begin with your why. Like, why are you even doing this in the first place? If it is just to improve grades so that your child goes from a B plus average to an A plus average, <laughs> um, you know, maybe that's not, you know, and I don't know, that might change, obviously, but, you know, think about your, your why, your, your clear why, your deep why, and, mm-hmm. and let that guide you for sure, be your foundation. Yeah. Well, and it's also the ego too, right? Like letting mm-hmm. your ego get out of the way. Um, yes. Because my why might not be the same why for my husband, it might not be the same for my kids even. So I tried very hard to stay open with them and to communicate with them about the decisions we were making, including when he was four and thought about going to school because our neighbor who he spent a lot of time with was going to school. So it was like, I want to go to school. I was like, okay, here's what happens when you go to school. Here's what it looks like. And it wasn't in any way to try to scare him. It was to level, to be honest, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you go at this time and I pick you up at this time when you're done in the, you know, two hours after getting there, you can't come home. It's you're there. And I mean, not that I wouldn't go get him, but, but it's true. Right. I mean, yep. you can't, yep. it's not, Hey, I'm done here. I'm uh, Hey mom, can you come pick me up? It's just, this is the way it works. And of course, when I explained it to him, he just looked at me like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> like, what do you mean? You can't wow, come get me <laughs> if I, I want to come home. So he, he was, he participated in the decision to try to, to do homeschooling for 
for a while. And every year, I, I at the end of every year, and, and sometimes even in, in the middle of the year, you know, I would ask, so-and-so, your friend is doing this, this, and this. Does that look interesting to you? Do you want to reconsider? And every time it was, nope, 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 no thanks. And when he got to be 15, <clears throat> 15 years old, 15, 16, that's when he started saying, you know what? I think I want to do some classes over at the, that the Y, the local Y that we have here all turned this one beautiful cabin space that had a lot of property into a homeschooling uh, school, basically, where there were all these different things that you could take. So um, he he decided to do that. And those were classes that we ended up putting on his transcript mm. <clears throat> for for high school. And then those also were courses that met the requirements for submitting his um, application to community college as well. Right. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So maybe can you talk a little bit about that kind of the specifics of that one, because that I think is a fear that I hear often um, parents are comfortable when their kids are young unschooling mm-hmm. or homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, yeah, cause they're, but you know, once they get to a certain age, especially high school age um, I find it gets, you know, middle school, even later middle school, parents get a bit uncomfortable because then it gets into those, well, shouldn't, they should still be taking this math class. You know, they should still like, we unschool, but, you know, I really think I'm really trying to get them to do these classes as well because, Mm -hmm. well, it's, you know, it's high school. Um, And I mean, they they certainly can. And I do find often as they get older, they start um, like, they want to do different classes and things like that for themselves. Maybe things that outside of what maybe I can share with them or my knowledge, they start to explore on their own more. Um, but how did that work for your son going to college? Cause that's the other thing is like, well, if they don't do that, then how will they ever go to post-secondary if they mm-hmm. unschool? They've never mm-hmm. one had the experience of being in a classroom in school. They don't have a diploma or how, like how, how do they even get there? What was the yeah. process for your family? Well, I, so for us, us specifically, I'll talk about ours. I will also say that there are other opportunities, other options that um, some other unschooling families have done, including portfolios and showing their work. So they didn't even worry about the classes necessarily. So there is that option too. We didn't do that. And the main reason we didn't do that is because of the fact that the school, I mean, the class options were available to us and he was interested and he wanted to do them. So we worked backwards. We He said he wanted to do dual enrollment, which many states have that now, where if you're a high school student, you're a junior in high school in good standing, as in academically, um, you are able to apply to start taking college level courses in your junior year of high school. If you were to go the college prep track, you would be able to technically finish high school and get an associate's degree simultaneously. So by the time you graduate high school as a senior, you will have two years of college level courses giving you an associate's degree. So then you could apply to a four-year college and only have two years left. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's a pretty big deal. And it's a lot of work for some kids who decide to do that. Yeah. Um, there, he I think did not be some hoops to dr- jump through as well, right? With that, right? Oh, yes, yeah. yes. I mean, you will be taking. There's a lot of a lot of classes to take, and then of course you have with college level courses, you're going to have exams and things like that. So, if you have unschooled to that point and never really been kind of under the pressure of a timeline, then yeah, you might have a bit more. It might you might need to take a little bit more time to acclimate. It doesn't yeah. mean you can't do it. It just means that you might have to shift 
the way that you've lived your life to this point. But if it's important enough to you, you will. And that is the truth, what I've seen over and over again. If yes. kids want to do it, if they have the internal motivation, if they see this as valuable, if they want to do it because they know they have to to get to the next step, even if they feel like it's kind of ridiculous and if they think it's kind of a game, at least they know what they're playing. Right. That's right. That's right. So then they're in. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And um, it doesn't come from me telling him he has to because now that changes everything. So it's all about his internal drive. And so he started out in want, not wanting to go the college track. He wanted to do the, col- the career track, which had different requirements. And so he chose to do simulation and game development software program, which was right up his alley at the time. He loved gaming, still loves gaming, but in the way that he was like, I want to do this for a living kind of gaming. And he did amazing. He took all these college level courses. He programmed, he built uh, games. He created rooms inside these very expensive software programs that these large companies would be using. He got a lot of knowledge, but he also got an awareness of the fact that he did not want to do this for a full-time job because he didn't want to sit for eight plus hours a day Mm -hmm. at a computer. And he knew in his, he knew his body needed to move. And this is why, again, I've told people, and I just really can't press this enough. There's not a timeline that you need to hold so super fast to this idea that they're 18. Now they have to go to college or they're 16. They have to do this. It's like, they're growing so much. They're learning their ability to learn and to hold on to information is definitely getting bigger and wider. And there's time. So clocks are a piece, there's a tool there. There's something to give you information, but they shouldn't dictate your life. And, and so when you take a breath and a beat and like, you know what we did this and, and you're not interested in going that route further, that's okay. Again, that's another example of, he spent almost two years doing a simulation game development program. He got a diploma in it. He can do something with that if he chooses to, but he's not going to at the moment. And so then he switched gears and went into the associates program. And now he will be finishing up in the fall and um, also having his personal trainer's license. So is he going to go to four-year? Maybe. He doesn't know 100% yet. At this point, it's a question mark, but he has options. And if he decides to go, he'll have two full years under his belt and he'll only have two two more to go. So mm. um, he'll be a little bit older than some of the other people there because he'll be, well, he'll be right around this. I mean, he'll be a, a little bit older, not that much more. So it's not like he's, you know, three years older than most people in their junior, junior year of college. Um, but he did take it, take it a little bit slower. And we, we backed the pace down a little bit just to make it more manageable. Cause the last thing I wanted to do was, well, you have to take a full load if you're going to go to college, you know, <laughs> I wanted him to <laughs> slowly get used to it acclimate to the schedule, figure out what the workload looked like, figure out who he was as a student. How did he learn? What was his preference? And all of those pieces I kind of walked alongside him with. And um, the, the idea that they're not going to know something, I think quickly fades when you realize, if you look at yourself as a learner and you think, okay, if I look at myself now as like a 40-year-old, and when I am interested in learning something, how do I go about doing it? You, you know, you find somebody who's knowledgeable, you read something, watch movies, whatever the case may be, and then you you remember it better. 
And if right. you think back to yourself at like 15 or 16, when you're being forced to learn something in history or some science concept that really just didn't make any sense to you, how hard was it to remember that information? And then you took a test and maybe you did okay on it, but what do you remember of it? And that's the way unschooling is and education, I think, is for children is that if you give them time and space to find that information and to work on it at a pace that works for them, it becomes part of their understanding. It's not just something they have to do to spit out, you know, and, and even though he's playing quote unquote, the game of taking some of these courses that he doesn't really necessarily want to take, he's still doing it in a way that doesn't indicate burnout where right. a lot of other kids who've been forced to do stuff for so long, get to college and they're just like, Oh my gosh, you know, this is even more. He doesn't have that. As a matter right. of fact, he sets aside time for his study time. He's like, these are my hours I'm studying. He he makes study hours. Like, you know, <laughs> professors have office hours. He's got study hours. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it. yeah, it's interesting to be when you're not forced to do something all your life, you don't look at those things as a burden of, oh, I got to do this again, like as being something that's out of your control, I think as well, again, when you right. have a lot of choice and control in your life, then that carries forward to so many other things that you do when, as you become an adult, right. And, mm -hmm. and understand what it's like to, yeah, I've got like, this is my choice. I've got control yeah. of it, and I'm choosing to do this. And yeah, you, you live things, you live life very differently in that way. Right. Right. And we celebrate learning here. You know, I love learning and they know how I am. And I, when I'm interested in something to, to, to a fault, like, mom, mom, mom. Like, oh, wait, sorry. I was, I was in my book. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't yeah. Me too. I get back. <laughs> so, you know, they know, they know how I am. And, and it's, I, I think it was, uh, oh gosh, who was it? Carl Young or somebody was like, um, you know, basically live the, live your life. So your kids can see what's possible. You know, it's like, don't become a martyr in the service of your children to the point where they don't see joy in you anymore. And so I celebrate learning. I love learning new things. I share with them when I find out something new or I ask them, Hey, did you hear about such and such? So once you know what your kids are interested in, that, that you're just kind of conduit sometimes of how I, I heard a podcast that was talking about nutrition, you might want to check it out, or it was really interesting. And they talked about this, this, and this. So you have conversations and you share information back and forth in the same way that you would share with a friend, a recipe that you know, that they might enjoy, or it, it's, it's, it's no different than establishing a relationship with people outside of your family. It's you, you tell them things, you talk to them, you treat them kindly, you give them information, you help them out. You know, you're not going to, um, send them off on their own and say, Oh, well, good luck. You know, hope you, hope you do. All right. <laughs> you know, learning, this is your learning. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with me. You know, you're still involved and a part of the process. And even when they are older as teens and they don't necessarily need your help, like they did when they were younger, they still want to know that you're on their, on their side and they want you to check in, you know, I mean, you don't have to do it as often, but I think um, uh, the, I think the apps are a really really fun way to communicate. I we use Snapchat a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I send them text. Um, we we do Be Real. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. That's a new app, newer yep. app. So so those ways. Um, e even though we live in the same house, sometimes I don't see them all day. 
but I know what they're doing because we have our snaps back and forth, you know, and it's fun. It's a fun way to communicate. It's like they get to see my personality in a way that's different than the personality at home. And I don't know. I, I, I just think that using the tools that they're using is an important way to keep that line of communication open too. Yeah, I agree. I really agree. It's funny because like I'm I've probably been a bit slack on Snack. Well, I had Snapchat in the early time and then mm-hmm. nobody was really on it. So I got off of it. And then right. of course, <laughs> everyone's on it. And I don't remember what I how I originally, you know, <laughs> my first account. Um and be real. Yeah, I'm gonna get a be real. I think my daughter actually just sent me an invite to get on it. Or my, actually maybe my mother-in-law, but that's the thing. My my husband had said, um, He's like, well, I'm on all because he's not a social media guy, but he's right. like, he's like, the only re- I'm only on it to communicate with our kids. Right. Because so, I'll be like, I haven't heard from like the kids and I text all the time, but and I'll say, I haven't heard from him. He's like, because you didn't snap them. You got to yes, snap right. them. And they'll respond like in a second. And he'll tell me, I'm like, how do you know all this? He was like, uh, Snapchat. Like I've right. been talking and like I know it's like, yes, that's right. It's their tool of communication. It is. And, it is. And if we want to communicate and be in communication, you know, sometimes it's not like, well, you got to bend to my way. You know, mm. we we have to we have to also understand and be part of their tools of of this world of this right. uh, time period as well. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there there was even a funny meme that went around for a while that was. <laughs> It's like, if you got that one friend that gives you TikTok homework, because you send me TikToks, I'm like, oh my God, that's so true. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I'm getting ready to go to bed. I've got 15 TikToks to watch. I can't do that right now. (laughs) But I want to. I really do. (laughs) Yeah. Or usually they're my tutors like, okay, so like, I want to do this. Can you help me with this? And yeah. Oh yeah, this is what you got. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Mm. So, so I also want to be um, respectful of your time too. And uh, I know I could like chat with you all afternoon, but um, same, same. (laughs) (laughs) And there's so many, I'm like, you know, there's, as you're sharing about your son too, I think, well, he's turning 21 and you'd mentioned maybe he's a little bit older than some of the juniors if he's going to pursue going into college. And, And I think like, but he's already done so much. At 20, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it is also, it's interesting when I think of, but he's already, you know, for example, his, his, he's doing his, or I think he's done now, right? His associate's degree in personal training and his, um, he'll, he'll finish associates at the end of this year, at the end and of then, this year. And okay. then end of the summer, he'll do his personal trainers, um, test. Okay. And he's got his diploma in game assimilation as mm-hmm. well. How, so when he started his game assimilation diploma, how old was he when he started that? Mm, probably, let's see, he was a, probably was 17. Yeah, 16 turning 17 when he started that program because he was a junior in high school. Okay. okay. And that was the other thing is we slowed down his high school. Uh, we, we slowed down him being in high school because that's the beauty of homeschooling, right? Like you don't have to do the order the way that it's kind of written out. So when he became of age to be technically ninth grade, we weren't really doing those hardcore academics at the time. And so we were like, you know, it's okay. We you won't graduate on the, you know, at your 18th birthday, like we were originally planning, but that's fine. We can slow it down a little bit. So it took him a little bit longer technically um, in comparison to people in his age bracket. But, you know, as I said before, all that stuff's kind of arbitrary anyway. And it's just, look at the kid, you know, the whole point in doing this is to customize their experience. And I 
have come to believe that the first 12 to 13 years of our kids' lives really needs to be about them understanding and getting to know themselves and figuring out how to interact with people and how to express themselves and how to take up or stand up for themselves and create their kind of strong moral foundation. And they do that by having experiences with others, adventuring, um, exploring the world, tapping into their interest, doing volunteer work, taking playing a sport, all of those things that are really active and engaging. And I'm not saying they don't have to do any academics if that's something that they want to do and it works for your family and it kind of plays nicely into things. Sure, go for it. But to focus on it the way we do as a society, I think is to the detriment of their health and mental health and their emotional well-being. So I've seen it play out way too many times and I I will stand firm in that. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. I and it's I think an important conversation as well because I mean in within the school system and the broader community, mental wellness, mental health is the paramount discussion right now. Mm. And um, you know, the questions of how can we build mental wellness and mental health and get our kids back to mental health because right now so many are struggling and um there are ways and yeah, I mean that is in another discussion that we can have, but I agree those, you know, those years, those first years instead of focusing on the push 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 of let's say the grades and academics, um why not focus on, you know, like you said, creating that moral compass, that mm-hmm. that foundation, that focusing on the person, the individual person themselves and acknowledging and validating and loving and respecting um, yeah. instead of a lot of those other things that we do that we think are for their own good, but some often can be for the detriment of their self, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, wrote a couple of notes down and I just want to touch on this before we wrap up, if that's okay. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So so I wrote a post about this a while ago too. Self-determination theory is the idea that if it's the, it's the psychological idea that you have to have certain things to become a self-determined person. And the reason that people want to become self-determined is so that they feel happy essentially if they feel mm. content they feel comfortable they understand how the world works and they feel that they are able to move through life in a way that um makes them feel seen heard and and okay and resilient you know when things come come their way so there's three pieces to it it's autonomy competence and relatedness so autonomy i feel like is pretty clear when it comes to self-directed education and unschooling, you know, mm-hmm. we give our kids autonomy to pursue those interests that they enjoy and that they, that light them up. And then the competence piece is the part that I think we can attach to academics or, or I think our society attaches to academics. It doesn't necessarily mean only academics. Competence is something that we can find in the way that we do a sport or an instrument or draw or build Legos, you know, I mean, there's so many ways that you as an individual can show that you're competent in something and not because you're showing it off, but but more for yourself. And we need to understand how to take in information and use information and apply our skills because competence is part of mental health. 
Yes. So mm. I think that's where things get kind of weird in our academic focused society is that we we're only focusing on academics as competence. And that's just one part, you know, that's if you can, right. if you can make a straight A's, but you can't go out and talk to people and get a job or, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just, we focus too much on academics as a competence part. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's the relatedness piece, which is where you, you want to feel like you belong to something and somebody. And that's why I think the family unit and that unschooling as a family affair is so important for the foundation of relatedness, because when kids aren't feeling like they belong, then it's, you know, it's like the Katy Perry song. You don't, you know, you don't stand for anything. You'll fall for everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think that relatedness is super, it is really, really foundational to children. And when they feel that connection to their family unit, that's, that's a strong, supportive, powerful piece of developing yourself as a human. And then, you know, you circle the family and then you circle a little further outside of the family and, and it goes and goes and goes bigger and bigger as you get older and more mature. Um, but that foundation is when it's strong, uh, it, it makes for a very, a much better experience for, for people. Yeah. It sets the groundwork and mm-hmm. lays that foundation. And, and when that relatedness is strong, that relationship is strong and and that's how you model and um model and reflect and live out your own your your own relationships outside of that immediate circle that's what you know so if you start from a place of i'm respected i'm heard i'm seen mm-hmm. i'm loved i'm um no matter what for who i am not for the things i do then yes. when you go out of that those are the relationships that you build you build mm-hmm. relationships with others where you are seen, you're heard, you're respected, you're loved, you're validated, and you you give and receive that. And then that goes further and further. And yeah, it's um, it's so key. And I really get how you also related the competence part, how we relate all the competence to academics alone. And mm-hmm. and it's a disservice. And and so much with competence is you need the time and space in order to do to build that mm-hmm. competence, to practice, to feel that you are competent, not just memorizing something, but like, oh, I can now apply it. I can do this. I can practice this. I can, you know, build it. And, but so often you need time and space to do that. You're not going to mm-hmm. do it like within a second. So yeah, I, I love it. I actually drew, as you said that I, so I remembered, I drew the stick figure family with a <laughs> circle around it and then another circle and another circle, and another circle. It's yeah. I'm visual too. So yeah. I want to see that on Instagram tomorrow, please. Okay. <laughs> I'll take this. I'll, I'll take a picture with my phone and then I'll make it nice later. That's so. right. That's right. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Well, Missy, I, I, well, you know, I always love talking to you and I know we've kind of tried to reconnect and record a few times and life happens. And then we mm-hmm. do that, you know, we tried again and we tried again and here we are. So we're self-determined. We are self-determined. <laughs> we are self-determined. Right. We're going to make it happen. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Thank you so much. And can you leave again for everybody that is listening? First, I want to say, if you want to hear more of Missy's story, I will actually share as well with this episode when I'm sharing it, your first interview. So they can also hear more of your story from the beginning as well as an educator and how you came into that role and as a 
unschooling parent when your kids are younger. Um, so I recommend you listen to that episode. But also, can you share how, because you provide so much support for community, um, information, support, guidance, like through your podcast and through your community, through your uh, email newsletter, can you share all of that right now, how people can reach out to you? Yeah, the best thing, thank you. First of all, thank you for asking me to be here and to have this conversation with you. And uh, like we talked about before, before we started recording, you know, it's it's unfair in a way that social media has connected us in all these different ways, but then we don't get to really hang out in person. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so so I will take this any day. Um, <laughs> me too. So I am at letemgobarefoot.com. That's my website. But fastest way, I think, to really get connected to the things that I'm working on and the offer offerings that I have out in the world is through Instagram at Let Them Go Barefoot. And there's a, a link in the bio that takes you to Linktree, which will also take you to the other pieces of, um, of, of what I'm doing. So I do have a sub stack, but that I consider that my newsletter. So you can register or sign up there. Um, I offered classes through a, a platform. It's essentially a Zoom, but I called it the Let Up Go Barefoot Playground because, or I'm sorry, I called it the Barefoot Playground because that was one of those sort of, I call them downloads. One day I'm doing something and it just pops into my head and it's not even something I was thinking about. And I thought, you know, we always talk about the importance of play with our children and parents need to play too. And mm-hmm. parents need to come together with others who are in the same boat that they're in or maybe even a little further ahead on their journey and ask questions and feel supported and hear from each other. And so the barefoot playground is considered to be the sort of like the micro school for parents. Um, and so there's opportunities there. There's nothing right now. We just finished two series. Um, so we're kind of rebooting to start offering things again towards the probably middle of the summer and then definitely in the fall. Um, and so I think that might be it. Awesome. So can we get to those classes through your link and in, in bio in Instagram or through your newsletter through Substack? Uh, yeah, the, the best way to stay updated is through the Substack newsletter. So there's not any classes currently, but there will be. So like I said, we did a series. So we did four, four classes on parent-child empowerment, um, and then we did five with, um, I did with Cindy Gaddis on the right brain learner. And, um, so those were, those are great. We, we had a, it was a, it was a really good experience and it was nice to meet people in person. You know, we saw the faces of people that I've, I've interacted with for many years, um, on Instagram and, and, uh, so yeah, that, that was, that was a good, good gathering. And I, I want to offer that again. And I do try to make it really affordable. That was one of the, it spoke to my heart. Let's just say that I, I felt like it, I don't, I want it to be affordable. I want people to be able to access information in a way that um, helps them, but that doesn't feel like they have to break the bank either necessarily. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that's why I've kept it kind of at a lower price point. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. And I'll include those links in the show notes as well, too. So anyone well, thank you on it. So if they are like, what was that again? Just go to the show notes and those links will be in there. So. All right. Thank you so much, Robin. Thank you, Missy. And enjoy your evening. I guess it's probably evening there and uh, I will be in touch soon. All right. Sounds good. Hey, thank you.
Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com, or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com. 